Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues, which was broadcast from Australia on July 4th, 2020. It's called, These Are the Good Old Days. And I invite you to join any of the upcoming Zoom sessions held on the first and third weekends each month at two different time slots per weekend to accommodate you wherever you are in the world. I'm sure many of us have noticed that in these months of a worldwide pandemic and in this this withdrawal from our usual affairs, we've been left with a a terrain within ourselves that is very sort of, uh, it's very rich ground for memories to arise memories and um, reflections, almost like having a retrospective of your life uh, in dreams and in thoughts. And, and they come unbidden. It's not, not that we're trying to sit around and you know, remember things. They just, they just show up very powerfully. And perhaps like, like yourselves, I have found, I've had so many thoughts about people I hadn't been in touch with in a long time that I've reached out to and people have reached out to me, which has been quite wonderful. Um, You know how life gallops along and you you do think about your friends far flung around the place and um, you keep meaning to be in touch and somehow time passes, you know, and, and sometimes we're we're hesitant to make the call because we think, oh, I don't really have a, an hour to spend right now on catching up for the last two years or five years or whatever it might be. But there's another component I've been reflecting on of late. And in this, these little uh, jaunts down memory lane, I've noticed how many eras of my life that I thought were sort of hard at the time. Like I might be going through a breakup or a move or some stressful thing or financial difficulties when I was a poor journalist living month to month. But that was a long time ago. (laughs) But anyway, what I've noticed in the reflections on those times is that they were actually a lot of fun. I wasn't fully aware of it at the time, too bad for that. But, but in hindsight, I can see that in fact, it was kind of a blast. And because it was, it was rich life and it was, and I was younger, which helps, <laughs> but it was, it was great. And, and yes, I was miserable in some parts of it. Some of it was hard. And, you know, we have the phrase, those were the good old days. But the insight that I've been reflecting on in this, in this noticing is to let it inform my, me that these are the good old days too. These are the good old days as well. These might look like the good old days very soon. <laughs> And then those can be the good old days. In a sense, it's sort of a choice that you make, a way that you use your attention as you go, right? Enjoying your days. And as I hammer on endlessly, there are so many little joys, little joys to be had. And happiness, or at least a sense of well-being, is much more accessible when your interest is in little joys rather than in big extravaganzas, right? The way that we, like so often when I look back at how I was as a younger woman, I was always waiting for something, like something was going to be happening and I was sort of on hold. But now I see that in fact, that was the, that was the actual life I was living, right? those moments were that was it (laughs) um 
And some of those things came to be that I was waiting for and some most didn't really. Um, so it's a kind of, a, it's, it's a, uh, a, a, re a revelation, I'd say, that is a beautiful reset to really see that, look, we're in a hard time. The world is trembling. We all have challenges in it, but humans have, have had challenges in all of human history. Most of the, many, many of the times were way harder, um, where you're essentially in competition with wild animals for food. <laughs> um, and you were on the menu as well. So, I mean, to think about what humans have endured, the human spirit, we've gotten a little soft in our, in our time, you know, we've, we've gotten pretty spoiled. We've enjoyed that, of course, but it, it you know, it's an adjustment now. It is. One of my friends, I heard one of my friends on a podcast the other day, he said something like, reality is, does not comport with your preferences. And it's a, it's a, a lesson that, especially I think we privileged in the West have not really uh, had had very clearly um, as a general rule. We've basically, you know, sort of like whatever you can dream it, you can have it, you know, the, the Oprah model of reality. And um, um, I've just been really appreciating the letting go of some other thing that's supposed to be. I was on the phone with a friend of mine in Los Angeles, he's actually going to be on the American call tomorrow. And um, he's just adopted his second dog about a year ago, actually. And they adopted a, a little dog from the pound who only had three legs. So he's showing me the dog who looks like a very happy dog. And I said, oh, he only has, oh, it's too bad. And he said, oh, he doesn't mind at all. <laughs> he doesn't mind at all because he's not the dog is not thinking that it should be some other way. I mean, on the one hand, oh, he's only got three legs. On the other hand, it's just his life. It's just how it is. And he doesn't mind at all, according to his keeper, his caretaker. So it's by way of saying, I said it last, last time we were all together, um, part of what torments us is the disparity between our life as it is with all its challenges and now we're in a pandemic and the life we think it sh should have been right we the, the that's the torment but this is the one we've got and we can find the joys these could be the good old days you can find it's all about how you're using your attention. You can each in this very moment just fall into gratitude or look around in your space and, and consider how lucky you are, how much there is to, to appreciate, to celebrate. And the fact that we can have this conversation with friends all over the world. I'm very, very grateful for that. And I don't take it for granted. Who knows if that'll hold? And if that if it doesn't, then also we enjoy while it's here in the good old days of this phase. And maybe I was also reflecting on how much time I've spent in places that are considered the third world and, and how they, those times live so vividly in my memory, like things that happened 45 years ago, um, whole big chunks, not even that happened, just me being in certain places are so strong in my memory, sort of just bizarrely so. And 
I was, I was thinking the other day, just, you know, what was it about it? And I think it was that there was a sense of timelessness. There was, everything was slower. And that's another thing I've been noticing about this phase is this feeling of timelessness and slower. I know everybody's, everyone's talking about it being the pause and it is, it has been that. But also there's some other way that it's slower. It's like it's slower in my own, my own demands of production, my own ambition, my own desire for travel or a sense that I'm looking forward to when I go there and when I go there and, you know, that's all off the table. And so it's actually a lot quieter in my own head. A lot slower. <laughs> so all these ways we can allow this time to be very rich, not really see it as a deprivation. There are some things we can't do, can't have. Yes, that's all true, but you can frame it that yes, some things you can't do and have now, and there's lots of things you still can. So, and mainly what you've got is your own, your own experience of life. Hey, Catherine, um, I've really got a question about time and becoming uncoupled from time. Like I'm just working in this other whole, I mean, I'm tr I've still got a full-time job, which is trying to anchor me to time in the 24-hour calendar and all the rest of it. But actually, um, because we're working from home, I'm just in this free-floating, dreamy time zone. Yeah. I naturally drift to my natural bodily rhythm, which is going to bed at 5 or 6 a.m. and then just waking up some random time. And it's becoming a bit discombobulating. So it's the, I'm just working on some whole other mystical different time frame that is kind of working all right for me, but it's not really meshing with the rest of society or my friends or, you know, meeting up with people online or it's really kind of weird. And so it feels a bit disembodied and free floating. And um, I'm just wondering if you have any advice for how we maintain our own sort of different time scapes with the rest of society. You know, I'm feeling a bit, hmm, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting a bit disconnected, actually. Hmm. I mean, my inclination, and of course, this is just how I would play it, is this is a time, we're in a phase where you can make that experiment. Right. This is a good time to be able to let yourself have that, find your own rhythm and, and let your own, your own biorhythm dictate when you're going to go to bed and when you're going to get up. I mean, it's a great privilege to be able to do that. And I think a lot of people are finding that in this phase. I think I spoke on a recent one. I was listening to someone talking about how, you know, day is night and night is day. And sometimes he, you know, gets up in the middle of the night and has breakfast and his breakfast is like oatmeal with salad on top. <laughs> like you just, all the rules are gone. And, and, um, who is you know, that person? They're, I'm in their tribe. They are my <laughs> tribe, those people. <laughs> it was a comedian. I'll have to remember his name and I'll let you know when I do. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, I assume that prior to this, you couldn't do that because you had to show up at the university at, at a certain time. Yeah, correct. And it's like, if you actually want to talk to people, you kind of, unless you're talking to people on the other side of the planet, you need to, you know, if you're talking to people in the same time zone, you need to be roughly awake the same time they're roughly awake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, I've always had a problem of being a night owl, but I've just really embraced it and sunk into it. And um <clears throat> Yeah, it's starting to feel a bit sort of weird, actually. Only because you say so. Only because you're, you're framing it that way. But what oh. if you basically said to yourself, 
I am a night owl and I'm in a, we're in a phase now where I'm not actually obligated to be anywhere. I can do things online. Is that the case? Like, are there meetings or you have to the case. Yep. You do, do you, do you have to teach online? I do, but um, it's only a couple of hours a week and they're all in the afternoon. So I can easily manage that. All right. Well, I say enjoy. Why okay. Not? I well, shall report back. I shall embrace and enjoy and report back. Oh, good. Excellent. I love it. I, I mean, for all of us, honestly, it's, it's, you know, this is definitely the time to enjoy in any way you can and to get more and more authentic, you know, because what part of what you're saying is that you have a different biorhythm, right? You're, you're, you're stepping to a different beat here. And so, so be it. It's very healthy for you to let yourself have that. Yeah. And in fact, I've been like that since a kid and mm -hmm. always fought against it. So I guess I'll always just be talking. Into, always had to fit into the other time frames and the other time rhythms. Yeah, because we have this society that really values the getting up early. Everything's about getting up early and you're somehow a good and moral virtuous person if you get up early. So as someone said to me once, it's always early somewhere on the planet. So I guess <laughs> you're the planet, planetary time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm a night owl as well, not quite to that to the point you are, but even when I'm so tired in the afternoon. Like if I don't get a little nap, right? And I think, okay, I'll go to sleep early tonight. It doesn't happen. I, I, I'm, I'm a night owl as well. And it, I, I'm surrendered to it. So I like to arrange my uh, life so that I can accommodate it. <laughs> I shall report back. Okay, good. I love it. Hi, lovely to meet you. And when you were talking earlier I, I cannot remember what you said, but I wrote down three words and it was happiness versus well-being. And I felt an immediate relief when you said that it was I don't like, think I said oh. versus, but I think I said or. <laughs> or, maybe or, yeah, versus was probably me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, let's take the probably out, versus was me. Um, and... And so when Kaz was talking about night and then I could see all of my thinking about what that means, I was then thinking about the question I had for tonight, which was, which I'm really grappling with because I hear people talk about love. Yeah. And I really don't understand what it is. Mm -hmm. I And um, and then when it was, you know, love or well-being, there was some sense of relief there mm -hmm. that I didn't need to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Something that I'm grappling really, I just don't know what love is or how to do that. I mean, I wonder if, you know, the word is charged, it's overloaded yeah. and... Probably what it means is so unique to each of us. And maybe, mm. maybe that word doesn't apply to your experience, uh, you know, the way that it's just a, a finger pointing to the moon. It's not the moon, right? Um, it, mm -hmm. It's a word that we throw around. And perhaps for you, there is an experience that, that lights your heart, that... Mm gives you a sense of, of belonging and a sense of connection, however, however it shows up. It doesn't have to have a mm. form, a form uh, or a particular formula. Um, and maybe that word isn't, isn't your word, right? Maybe mm. it isn't a word for you. Yeah. Or maybe there's no word. Or maybe no word, even better. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe no word. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we say yeah. the word and it's so um, universally, at least in our English language, that particular word, people say it and we think we know what it means. Mm. Really all we, know, we, we only know what it means to ourselves. It's, it's just, mm. our own, you know, just, just like 
you know, what I see as the color yellow mm. may not even be what you're seeing. You know, you may be, yeah. that, you might say, yes, that's yellow. And we'll both agree that it's yellow, but mm. who knows if we're both seeing the same thing. And I think that's yeah. true. I think we're, we're so uniquely mm. made, right? By, yeah, we're, yeah. we're one-offs. And, and, you know, we do our best with language um, to describe the, in, the indescribable. But, yeah, I would just say let yourself off the hook on this one. Mm. And, and that story is kind of scary uh, to say I don't know what love is and I can't mm. experience it or I can't feel it. That's kind of a scary story to tell mm. yourself, mm. right? Yeah. Another frame is you're experiencing the mystery and, um, and you're having all these different moments throughout your mm. life. And just as Kaz was saying about her biorhythm, mm. it may be that your experience of being here has more of an aloneness quality, like that, that it's, it, isn't, it isn't the cozy thing that you might see that other people do have. Mm. And, you, and you might project that that's what a love, a love-filled life looks like. But if you're made differently, and if your own taste of beauty and of joy and of wonder and of connection mm. is, is different, like Kaz's biorhythm, right? Mm. If it's just different, then I like, I like to say this line, dignify your life. This is what you are. You didn't grow you. you were, you're experiencing this manifestation that... Mm called Wendy mm. and and just enjoy best you can right just yeah. enjoy the the quirks of it and the the mm. uniqueness of it and and if you happen to be someone who relishes aloneness and is okay with it and does have some kinds of appreciation and mm. things do sparkle your mind and heart mm. right. call that love if you want or don't have to name mm. it right yeah yeah yeah, thank you. It's like when you said we, you and I both might see yellow and agree that it's yellow. Mm -hmm. And I heard my mind going, yes, and I might experience it differently. Yeah. So the experience of yellow to me might be different to your experience of yellow, neither right or wrong. Sure. Yeah, yes. just experience. Yeah. I say something often, yeah. I say something often uh, and... I usually say it in retreats because in mm. retreat, it, it's so obvious an experience. But I often say, paraphrasing Shakespeare, <laughs> a rose by no name at all would smell as sweet. Mm. That is yeah. the experience we often have in retreat. We, we start, mm. we, we, we drop language. Mm. We're having really direct experience without having to name anything. Yeah, yeah. It's the naming where I get, yeah. 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 Tripped up. Yeah. yeah. If I don't name it. Oh, good. Well, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Great to see you. I don't know where to start, actually. Um, but I, I want to start, I guess, by thanking you, Catherine, for the lovely book that you wrote. Um, Catherine wrote this uh, novel called A Crack in Everything which I read in one day last week. And uh, I was reduced to sobbing, you know, every 30 minutes, every 40 minutes. Aww. And uh, it, was, it was really a wonderful gift and, and great to just blather it all out. <laughs> you know, I've been bottled up here in my apartment in Berlin since uh, March 8th. Mm. And uh, with the exception of just two weeks of work that I had last month. And um, there's, there's just so much from everything that I've heard today. Uh, everything that's going on is, is going on with me too. Um, you know, with Kaz, I, I have a, a friend, colleague. We've toured all over the world. And sometimes that, you know, we're in Asia somewhere. And I'm having some issue at five o'clock in the morning. And I know, yeah. I can go to Yana, he's up. 
Because he's, he's always up. He sleeps when he wants to sleep. He eats when he's hungry. Um, I have quite a, a stack of photographs that <coughs> have really deserved my attention for a long time, which I, I had, it was too painful for me to look at these photographs um, because of uh, events in my life. Uh, and I finally found the time uh, to sort them all actually by, by date, by year. And uh, it was an enormously wonderful experience to, to go through that history. So for me, I find the pandemic time to be more like a sabbatical, mm -hmm. um, a time of, of, great, of great fruition, of great progress. Um, from the little things like this week, making little, um, what I call it a timbali of the lavender that I harvested from my garden. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I made three liters of cassis from the, wow. the black currants. Um, oh. They'll be ready at around uh, New Year's Day. <laughs> um, and uh, and then, then, then on to the big things like, like trying to tackle those, those big um, blocks that, that I need to get through to, to, well, to get to the next place, to get to, to whatever, uh, wherever I'm supposed to be going. Um, my question then, um, going back to your comments, Catherine, about the three-legged dog. Yeah. The way, the way I see the human condition is that we are all that three-legged dog. Yes. Yeah. We, we all are missing something um, that, that, that others can recognize for us um, quite easily, of which we're not aware because we've made a workaround. Yes. And that workaround is either spiritual or psychological or in some way, I'm not talking about a physical impediment, I'm talking about how we, we're missing something, all of us, mm -hmm. and that we can't recognize it ourselves. Mm -hmm. So my question for you, Catherine, is how can I, how can we um, come into contact with the things that, that are slowing us down um, and, 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 and to work on that and to, to, try, to try to get past that block Yeah, I mean, my way is always to go to acceptance. So I think we start with the premise that I like to say we're all the walking wounded. To understand that whatever conditioning you've had and whatever you've suffered, whatever suffering you might have caused, um, all of that is, it's painful to live with and it lives, it lives in our psyche. And it's very powerful to just, as best you can, move into forgiveness and acceptance, right? To basically say yes to you and dignify your life, your life experiences, whatever you perceive as missteps or wrong turns or... or... And one of the things that I also speak a lot about is the way that we, we retroactively judge ourselves for not knowing than what we now know. Like sometimes we are looking back and thinking, if only I'd known then, and I should have known then what I now know, it's so clear now. Well, we didn't, or we only knew it in a certain way, not deeply enough. So I would, my own way is to, to assume that there's this wound, the, the wounding is there. Just being in human form and knocking about on the planet long enough. And you're, to your point, the three-legged dog, definitely. There's something also very beautiful about that, you know? There's something very, there's something very vulnerable and pure about it as well. Like I, I say, again, the reason I keep saying this part is that I know everyone has, lots of people on this call has, have heard me say it so many times, so just so they don't think I'm going senile, but um, I only hang out with the brokenhearted, right? I only hang out with the brokenhearted. And that's the truth. All my best friends. And they're, I, would, I would say that probably everybody is a bit brokenhearted, but I guess what I mean by that is they're brokenhearted and they know, they know they're brokenhearted. <laughs> you know, they let themselves feel it. 
just as you cried the other day multiple times, you let you gave yourself permission. It was sort of it's sort of impersonal to be able to do it with a novel, but um, it was great. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> it felt so wonder felt wonderful. Yeah, I know, I know. I do that with movies. I just I'm like, you know, such a crybaby with movies. Um, but um to, base, to say yes to you in totality and to completely give up any idea that you have to fix yourself. So it's in the deep, profound acceptance where you're not trying to change anything about yourself. You basically say, okay, dear, warts and all, here we are and carry on. And in that profound acceptance where you just say, you know, this is, how I am, this is, this is it. Then something does unlock, something unleashes. A transformation occurs, not because you willed it or tried to make it happen or, or did any particular reflection or meditation or practice or anything like that. It's, it's all downstream. It's the, you don't have to do any upstream swimming. It's all downstream where you just, just say, fine, let it be. And, and then because of that magnanimity to your own self and because that tends to spill over, like you realize everybody else is just doing themselves. I guess what I'm saying is in this way that you start to perceive your own self in this sort of free way where you just say, I'm not on a project anymore because all of that movement of thinking I've got to change, fix, fix the course, that creates a certain tension and it's a subliminal message to yourself that you're not okay as you are, um, right? It's a subliminal message. You're only going to bother with it if you think there's something to be done. If you basically say, no, there's actually nothing to be done. My teacher Punjaji used to say, call off the search nothing to be done, right? Do nothing. Make no effort at all. No effort. You can make effort in all the other domains that you like, right? You'll need to keep practicing your, your instrument, um, right? You'll, you'll learn how to, yes, there you go. You'll, you'll, have, you'll, get, you'll get really excellent at making cassis. You're going to have a beautiful, you know, uh, lavender bouquets to make. There's all kinds of things you can apply your mental effort to, but this one is not the one to apply it to. And, and this is something that I've made a great experiment with in my own life. So I began very, very intensive meditation practice in 1974, and I did it for 17 years in very hard Buddhist monastic circumstances where we sat multiple, multiple like 10 hours a day and in silent retreats, very grim situations like boot camp. <laughs> and <laughs> I left in 1991. Um, all that while we were striving for various forms of, well, the stages of insight leading to enlightenment. This was a whole, this was our, <clears throat> what was sold to us as the, as the path. And there was a lot of emphasis on practice and on, on doing certain things about yourself, like greed, hatred, and delusion. And at certain points of insight, certain things were supposed to have fallen off. Well, in my case, none of them fell away. <laughs> like they were all still there. <laughs> and, um, and I think that was true for everyone I knew, frankly. But anyway, um, it was then my life rolled into this whole other way and a whole other kind of teaching, which turned out to be a non-teaching, really about being and about exactly what I'm saying to you. Don't bother with the effort. Let the effort go. And just say yes to yourself as you are. And just know that, yeah, sometimes I'm, I, I make messes. I, I, I act out of a moment of ignorance and greed um, or hatred. And... I say something or I do something that I have regret for, then the regret becomes your ally. And in the openness and in the magnanimity to yourself, you have 
a way of both feeling the regret and forgiving yourself for making that, having to suffer it one more time, right? You, you forgive yourself and you have compassion for yourself. You don't, it's not that you're letting yourself off the hook and then can go around doing whatever you want, um, but rather that there's this instant feedback loop that is not, the, the waters are not muddied by a project that's saying, I've got to improve. And there's no, like the, the, the whole recrimination thing is off the table as well. So it's a very effective, really effective understanding. And when I came upon this understanding, after all those years of practice, I cried deeply, tears of joy. Like there was this moment in India and where I understood it very deeply. And I, it's still an understanding that's, that's just, I'm so grateful for. Because from that time on, I've never again bothered with any big effort about improving myself. And it's not that I'm, you know, landed in some fabulous uh, manifestation. It's just that I know that my best use of my attention does not include that. So this is counter to a lot of the spiritual trips where people are just striving and straining and wanting to, you know, or, or psychological trips that people get into. Um, now, I'm not saying also that there might be certain circumstances where therapeutically you need to discuss something and you use your therapist or even your friend who's good at it uh, to just bounce, bounce things off and to kind of process something, unpack it a little, but that's a sort of different category than having to somehow make yourself better as a person. So this may take a while to sink in, in terms of like, it's, it's, it's an unusual perspective because almost all things that one gets good at require effort, right? It's, it's, this is a different category, it's its own. I'll, I'll, work, I'll work hard at not changing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but anytime you feel that impulse come up of like working, even that, even that, like don't even worry about that. Make absolutely no effort. These words have gone in and, and now they're like a, a, a virus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a good virus. Not that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. It's um, just great listening to the conversation and um, there's so much and I, I too will let it sink in because it's exactly what I'm um, wanting to gravitate towards. Thank you. Um, and my question is, if you would say more about something you said a couple of weeks ago um, and, it, and it was a Buddhist notion you said about tell, this, tell the truth but tell it skillfully. And the reason I'm asking, um, well, he, he, let me just clarify there, yes. just because some people weren't on the call. Yes, it's supposedly a quote from the Buddha, and he said, always yes. speak the truth, but only the truth that's skillful. Only the truth that's skillful. Thank you so much. Because that speaks very much to um, what you're saying, like about being three-legged and being a night owl and accepting all that. That's all beautiful. Um, and I think in our three-leggedness and being human, I have to accept I'm, I'm very politically minded and very mm. moved by um, the, the even, even though we can talk, talk about the timelessness of the human experience, we're all born into particular moments yeah. and have particular orientations. Yeah. Mine is to be um, politically involved in some of the reflections that are going on you've spoken on about i'm looking back 40 years and seeing things arising that weren't 
dealt with as they need to be collectively and also we're on the way to needing to deal in a just way with climate chaos mm -hmm. and change so I find that the qualities of listening to each other that we we get here I don't find in the political circles that I'm involved in but I do feel that I've got um, I still want to be involved in that and helping that along to a better place mm -hmm. without it being a big project but that's mm -hmm. my kind of that's my cassis making which I also want to make as well but I also is the kind of pay attention to that that's not as a me project there's so much of having to be right in political circles and I feel that issue about being skillful with each other yes how we yes. find ways to work together and yes. i'd love to hear you speak more about that yes yeah, it's, it's a subject dear to my heart because i was a journalist specializing in in social activism and consciousness you could say or empathic activism mm -hmm. and um and of course when you're in the activist world you're dealing with injustice a lot that's mm -hmm. what you're usually trying to redress, you know? So, um, of course, I'm, I'm very, very sensitive to how, it's, it's just this razor's edge of <clears throat> having the passion to want to change something that you see could be changed, that you could help do, and yet not make, not have a wake of, of hatred and really bad vibes and, yeah. and just causing more separation in which yeah. everyone entrenches very, very deeply, you know? And yeah. when we see people who are leaders who are ignorant of that simple understanding, mm -hmm. then watch everything they do just makes things worse. You know, it's, just this, this, you know, it's just this unfortunate digging of a, of a, of a hole that everyone starts falling into. You don't have to be perfect at this, but when you're in a circumstance and you're feeling your anger in the circumstance, if possible, wait until you're not feeling the white hot part of the anger. Mm. Now, sometimes one does have to speak up because there is something, there's like righteous outrage and you, and you have to say something but again, maybe not in the white heart hot moment. You might still say something strong, but you can try to do it more impersonally mm. you know, and not, not make the person feel belittled. Definitely, yeah. Right? And, and feel stupid or feel like they're a mean, bad person. Because people I, won't, it's, it's ineffective for one thing, I mean, but it's also unkind. And just as we know, when we are approached by someone who is speaking to us in, a, in a, an insulting way, and, and we think we're right, and they're treating us like we're the stupid one, we know what that does in terms of you, you shut down to the person. It does nothing but make you feel like I don't want to be around. I don't want to be in the company of this person. So um, it's, a, it's, it it's, takes incredible sort of nuance of skill and of listening and of trying to hear underneath when someone is speaking, especially if you feel that their position is untenable in terms of the greater good, it's just not good in terms of it's, it's not a service of the greater good, it's serving uh, the corporations or, you know, whatever. I was just listening to a podcast the other day about uh, the, the power of denialism and, and how people, people still are denying climate chaos and global warming, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the lobbyists who are promoting these ideas, they used to work for the tobacco companies they used, to, they used to be employed denying the, the dangers of cigarette smoke. And now they've moved over to this. Now, on the face of it, you ask yourself, what, who are these people who can sleep at night? And when that's what they're doing and getting paid big money, 
and it's literally causing deaths of lots of people who, who are, you know, and so there can be a way in which inside you feel this, this rage and this kind of hatred arise, right? Um, I, I guess if I may, Catherine, I, 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 I recognize that the challenge I feel is, um, I don't feel that arising in that way um, personally in, you know, dealing with you like the climate deniers are. It's more within a movement how to build a, a kind and empathic and just movement. So, oh, well, what I started, what I, where I was yeah. going with this was that it's within each other in the way we speak yeah. to each other, which tends not to be the way that this conversation is held. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I do. What yeah. I was going to say, though, is sometimes it's helpful to, in any circumstance, like where, where you're really quite at odds with somebody's position, to feel into, if you can, the fear underneath yeah. their position. And yeah, that yeah. can actually instill empathy in you instantaneously. Like you can just, and sometimes you can see it on their face, right? You just look at their face and you can see, you can see either the, the hardening or the, the, like I said, the fear, or um, you can just sense it. You can sense that this, that it, this is a, it's, um, the position is actually a covering for the suffering and for the smallness, the smallness in which they're living. Oh, the tiny crowded space inside. And that can often open the heart a bit. Deep listening, not just to words, but to the place someone is sitting. And do you have a sense of being able to do that in a group way? How to create that more of an ethic of how we choose to speak with each other yes yes that's what i'm trying to move towards because yes. i might agree with people mm -hmm. on uh, but i feel the way we're going about it creates more division yeah you know what that's yeah. what i'm well the, the first order of business really is to just sit in your sweet spot in, in your own case you know in the room so sit sit there without without um, an urgency about making sure that your agenda is yeah. is on the table and just be very as best you can just as you know be very relaxed in yourself mm -hmm. and and have a certain kind of trust that your your intention in this circumstance is to help yeah okay right yeah. and that you'll you'll be able to you want you'll want to offer it the best you can and and then it's out of your control as to whether or not it's accepted or how it plays out or is it yeah. you know, fully appreciated etc okay. um, yeah so again something similar to what i said to matthew uh you you take a lot of the efforting out yes Training efforting and you you free up energy for the real effort which is mm -hmm. rolling up the sleeves because there may be actual things to do that are going to take take your um your your in fact your needed energy yeah um but i've, I've been around a lot of activists over the years in addition to <clears throat> in addition to being a journalist i've also moved in those circles back in the day mm -hmm. And I used to live with someone who was a big funder of those things. He's a big philanthropist. And so he, we always had those people at our tables and we were, we were constantly at conferences and dealing with this and that crisis and so on. Mm. And um, what I've seen is people who are moving from a lot of anger, they burn out. Yeah. They really burn out. And you can feel too when you're around them even when you're on their side, that there's this, there's this energy that is very hard to be with, very hard to be in the room with. Now, conversely, the type of journalism I specialized in was nonviolent strategies. And so I was always interviewing the people who really understood nonviolence and nonviolent non communication and nonviolent action and basically 
moving from empathy and kindness in their work. And the vibes with them are just, you know, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it makes you want to help them. You know? <laughs> so yeah. it's all about the vibe. Yes, <laughs> it surely is. <laughs> Thanks so much, Catherine. It's great to see you again. Um, I find there's always a sort of a contradiction between the acceptance of where I am and the achievement of my goals because I always uh, am aspiring to having different goals. And maybe at the moment I think I have done a lot of things and I'd like to meet somebody, but I, I, I always leave it to the long finger and I say, I'm so busy doing other things and I don't really engage in that. So I, I'm often in a scenario where it's a contradiction between the acceptance of all the various hobbies and the various things I do and, and the achievement of goals. So that was my question the last time, Catherine, that I had. And mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, but it's lovely to see you anyhow today. <laughs> well, with regard to goals, like I was saying to Matthew, you can certainly have goals to achieve certain types of things, create things. You might have a project you want to do. Then there are steps to achieve those things, right? And you may or may not achieve them. There's no guarantee when you even take every step perfectly. It doesn't mean that it's going to all work out perfectly. But nevertheless, those all have a kind of path to them. Whereas what I'm speaking about in terms of beingness that doesn't require a path to it it's already happening and it's just a matter of relaxing into yourself feeling really whole and fine as you are three legs or two legs or you know what <laughs> wounded suffered you know was was abused you know all of it it's here you are being and get into the real simplicity of that as your home base and get used to that. And don't, you, don't have, you don't have to be on an improvement pro- a project about that. And then you use your great uh, you know, mind and ability to plan and figure things out for things that actually have a possibility of a result, right? It frees up your energy tremendously. Do not think that you have to contort in any way who you are into mm-hmm. some glorified version in your head, right? So, yes. so, you know, Alan Watts has a great phrase, which I love. He says something like, we're all just divine rascals. So I love, I love that understanding of both the divinity and the rascality. You know, that's the truth of the matter, isn't it? So, yeah. um, you know, so to really own it and, and, and then, yeah, if you want to figure out how to manifest this or that, there are probably steps to, that would be the intelligent steps to take for that possibility. But, but on another level, Captain, you'd say, well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I would say that. I do say that. Yeah, and it's what I am saying in this very call that a lot of our dreams, dare I say, are currently not possible. And we don't really know if they will be possible, the ones we used to have, right? And now, so when you don't have all those looking forward to this or that, some big list, like Debray mentioned, on one of the recent calls, you know, her, her list of what lights her heart, right, is, is down to very simple joys, very simple things. So when all those other big plans and projects and future tripping are not possible, then are you just going to like gnash your teeth and pull out your hair and <laughs> scream and kick or have, you know, mope into depression and, you know, or are you going to let your spirit be lit as is, right? 
you said something interesting when you were looking at your photographs, Catherine. You said it's there's a all that you could the different regrets that we have are the different and they don't really because I think I, I would have one or two regrets, but I would have so many things I'm very proud of that I did too and and uh, all sure. of that. And yes. um you just said there, um at times I look back and I didn't realise that I should have been happier then. Mm -hmm. Um but when I was seeing you in Dublin um, and uh, that long time ago and you were all sort of, uh, it was fabulous because it wasn't really happening before that in Dublin much. And when you arrived on the scene and people were just suddenly, it was just like a paradigm shift in, in one's thinking and where am I wrong and how am I wrong? And you just changed things so much. So. Uh, yeah, it was so, it was such an early days in Dublin. It was, I think I first went in 1995. Yes. And and uh, there was such a strong hold of Catholicism that everyone had been conditioned in, mm -hmm. but there was this whole sort of mystical, free crowd who were really ripe for something different. Yes. And, yes. and those were quite quite halcyon days that we had there. <laughs> they were fantastic. And it was like, you arrived just at the right time. It was the timing and everything was impeccable. And mm -hmm. were wonderful days, you know. And, uh, wonderful days, absolutely, yes. Thank yeah, you. Well, that's nice. And, and thank you for your time now. So I'm also in a paradise, even though I'm in America. And uh, I was walking just yesterday and I, I lost my best friend a few years ago. He died suddenly in his sleep unexpectedly. And I never really went into a mourning about it because he's really stayed with me. We were friends for so long and shared so many experiences. And yesterday, and I don't even remember the event, it might've been a song in my headphones. It might've been something I saw, but something happened where I, I felt and thought about him so strongly. It was like he was there mm. and we had a laugh together. And then I just started to cry. Mm. And in that moment, it just went through my heart so quickly. I went, this is what love is. Yeah. yeah. And it made me so happy. And, and then that too was fleeting, which you have to let go when it passes. But uh, I just realized listening that um, the splash out from America is making me cry a lot. Mm -hmm. That's also yeah. love. Yes, absolutely, it is. Sure, it's 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 connection. It's it's suffering with true compassion, suffering with, and it's it's our moment in history right now. This is what we've got, and it, and you know, in the quieting of ourselves, and I know you know this from retreats, you you become much more like this big clearinghouse for feelings and just exactly what you described, right? Where a wave goes, goes through you and there's no resistance, there's no, there's no extra. It's just the purity of the grief in that moment connected to the, the, the love that you shared with your, with your friend, you know, just, it's just the purity of it. You know, it's like, a, it's, it's like the real thing and it doesn't have extra stuff. It's just that. And, and, and I feel that, that in, the, in the deepening in this understanding, that happens a lot. Like, as we know, it just happens a lot. It's not, like some people have, and in some systems, they have this idea that you're going to get to some sort of equanimity where you don't feel too much on any end. You don't feel too much joy. You don't feel too much sorrow. But that isn't, in my experience, that isn't what happens in the deepening. In the deepening, you feel more. And you, you're, you know, you're just a very fine instrument that's picking up lots of messages and lots of little vibrations in the air. It's life at last. Maybe what's meant by you um, feeling less on either end is that I, I know I don't feel that for people's drama. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's created, that's manufactured. I can't join them in their joy mm -hmm. or sorrow, but the real things are much clearer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you all for being here. It, this feels so good. 
<laughs> Thank you, sweetheart, for staying up into the wee hours. <laughs> So beautiful to be with you and everyone. I've just thoroughly enjoyed listening and and uh, reflecting on how everybody's experience is my own. <laughs> and just feeling that lovely silence then together, actually. Um, Marvelling at the field that we're all in and that silence that even though we're not together, you know, in person, that I really, it's a tangible um, field that's created with this silence it's so beautiful reminds me of the retreats mm -hmm. that um, I've been on with you and longing for more of that yeah 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 mm, so and good. just reflecting lately too on um the story you know there's a lot of story that gets um somebody else was talking about for about the naming you know, I can be, I'm not sleeping very well at the moment, for example, so I'm up at two o'clock, three o'clock, and just mm -hmm. noticing the story that comes up with that, you know, it's so interesting. Um, you know, I won't be able to function tomorrow, and I can't do this, and I can't do that, and just really letting that drop and being with the experience, yeah, and how that can... Um, how that you know plays out in all facets of my life, like how to actually just be with the the bare experience, yeah. and I notice there's just layer upon layer upon layer of story. It's like whoa, that gets. It's like having a heavy backpack. Yes, yeah. bag <laughs> I'm carrying around. I'm like oh, enough of the stories. I know. Yeah. Yes, and a lot of the story is. It should be different, right? Yes. It yeah. should be different. I mean, that's a torment. Mm. That, that story and all its derivatives, which come in, you know, mm. hundreds Very of millions, billions of, <laughs> um, it, it's, you're just fighting with reality. And, yeah. you know, there are certain things we can try to change in terms of we tweak them, you know, we, we, we help something or we have an idea, we have a project. But it's still a surrender to reality because each step of the way, you're basically seeing, okay, how's this? And here's the reality we're in. And here we're, we have this vision of something, but that's in the future, which doesn't ever come quite, you know, we're, we're here in the now making a plan and it may or may not work out. And then, yeah. you know, we go two more steps and then we're in that now. And, um, and, and it's that constant sort of adjustment from a previous way of life that was perhaps driven mm -hmm. by toppling forward into the future, right? Yeah. I once heard um, Eckhart Tolle talking about, he was standing on a street in <clears throat> New York City and people were rushing by so fast all around him he said it was almost like they were running <laughs> like they're almost running around you know just and he said to himself where are they running to and his answer to himself was they're running to the future now obviously they're not actually running to the future but in their minds they're running to their idea of a future that the where they are now is not quite as good as where they're getting to go, right? Mm. That's the place to go, to be, not here, but there in the future. Mm. And people live their whole lives like that. They just, they're running to the future. So another part of this whole experience here and why I'm saying that a lot of our dreams about the so-called future, our plans and schemes are not even possible. And we don't know if they ever will be again we don't know. Yeah. And then, you know, that it's just a really deep surrender to basically say, okay, we're going to be watching how it plays out. And we only have our own, our own experience of life along the way. That's all we're going to get. And that's all we were ever going to get. 
Yeah, and I think for me too, what I'm noticing is it's it's not a self-improvement project so much, but there is something about um, expanding the window of tolerance to stay with my experience. Mm. And you know, it's not actually an efforting, but it's somehow having that in my conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. The window of tolerance of staying with my experience is key. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm, I'm toppling. I love the way you say that, toppling into the future. It's... Um, and that can be quite a visceral thing for me where my body feel I'm out of my body. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm actually disembodied. Yeah. So yeah. That, I love that phrase, the window of tolerance. Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. Just, it feels like though that sometimes needs a little bit of calibration almost. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. Or just needs some attention. Maybe it's just attention um, to go, okay, this is feeling uncomfortable. This isn't how I'd like it to be, but, can I stay with that just a little bit longer? Yes, yes. Really, yeah. Really do it and just, um, you know, give up the resistance, um, right? Yeah. Especially yeah. to that which is, right? To that which is. As people have had to do, as people are doing this very moment, you know, um, as we, we speak, so many people in circumstances that we would think are intolerable absolutely and they're tolerating them and you would too <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i often feel really you know i have that survivor guilt i do at the moment living in perth here it's 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 a paradise yeah compared to most countries in the world or most places in the world and absolutely yes yeah, yeah. very very fortunate well, of course i i feel that very strongly with with you know, my family and and mm. most of my oldest friends are, you know, are in America, and it's, it's hard. Hard, hard yeah, yeah. Really hard. And it's it's a it's it's a shared psychology that's hard as well. Like even if pe certain people's personal experiences are not so terrible, um, just having to be in the in the vibe of the whole picture is is also very very hard but we're all experiencing the the sort of the splash out in, in the news yeah. so yes this is the what so and it, it is a, a kind of continual allowing allowing it is it's the ah uh, so whenever i think of you at three in the morning Concluding my phrase for everything. <laughs> Lots of love to everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been In the Deep. We invite you to join us for any of the online Zoom sessions, which occur four times a month over two weekends. You can see the schedule page at katherineingram.com for details. And if you feel moved to offer support for the podcast, please consider either a one-time or a recurring donation, which is tax deductible in the USA. The donation button is on the top menu of every page of our website. You can also leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time.